Welcome to another inspirational message from the chapel. We pray this message encourages and inspires you. If you would like any more information, check out our website, thechapelcollective.com.au. Hello, guys. My name's Daniel, for those who don't know me. So uh, if you'd like to take your seats. Today we're going to speak about um, one of my favourite subjects, and it's the Kingdom of God. Hey? I love what Nathan just brought, talking about the cross and the power of the cross. But I feel that, um, that beyond the cross is something that we can not quite understand. You know, why did Jesus do what he did? You know, why the cross? Uh, we understand forgiveness. We understand eternal life. But do we understand the kingdom? Do we understand his power? Do we understand that we're called for a purpose as a body of Christ to outwork God's plan on earth? You know, and we're going to talk about the kingdom because it's super important, super relevant for who we are, for the problems we have, for the family needs, for the things that we see in society. And God doesn't have a plan B. We're it. We're the body of Christ. And so we're going to talk a bit about the kingdom. Uh, one thing that becomes clear through a lot of what Jesus says is the kingdom can be missed. It starts out very small. So we're going to work through today a couple of points that we need to be really careful of, even as Christians, in regards to the kingdom. Understanding the principles and how it works. There's a scripture in here we'll talk about in a second, but um, Jesus says to his disciples that he's given them the keys to the kingdom. And he's given them principles that they understand that nobody else understands. You know, we sometimes as Christians get accused, or Jesus would be accused of being exclusive. And he makes no apology for that. But it's not because he wants to exclude people. It's because there's a purpose in it. Because there's a hunger that we need in our lives. And that hunger makes us search and seek things out and say no to certain things and say yes to certain things. And it starts to birth something in us, something that's, um, that, that is precious to us. Um, and again, God's, Jesus speaks about this a lot, and we'll unpack this a little bit now. But before we do, we're going to talk about where it all started. And it all started in the garden, of course. You know, God gave man authority. He said that he wants them to reign over the, full, over the earth, but he first put them in a garden. And then we, we unpack the story from there. So we know that God placed Adam and Eve in the garden. He blesses them and he says, be fruitful and increase in number and fill the earth and subdue it. And at this time, they were in perfect harmony with God they, um, and, and with nature. And they were naked. They had no shame. They had no knowledge of good and evil. We know the story. And it's not too hard for us to understand this concept because we see it with our children. You know, our younger children, as they get older, again, it's a little bit more problematic, but when they're younger, they trust us, they don't have any shame, they don't have any guilt, and they depend on us 100%. Is it any wonder then that one of the first keys of the kingdom might be this? Jesus says, unless you change and become like little children, you will never enter the kingdom of God. One of the things that happens um, as as we grow up from being... Um, dependent on our parents as we become independent. We become self-focused. We become, um, the Bible would say that we, um, that we live by our own desire, what, what is right in our own eyes. And one of the first things that we want to pull out in regards to being careful to not miss the kingdom is that who we trust and who we depend on. And the first person that you shouldn't trust and the first person you shouldn't depend on, despite what the word would tell you, the world would tell you, 
is yourself. Because it's quite often that we believe wholeheartedly in things that are just not true. And that's what the word it does. It unpacks. It says there's a double-edged sword to divide soul and spirit, you know, and it, and it exposes. But what it's exposing isn't your next-door neighbor or the person sitting next to you. It's exposing us. It's getting in the middle of those lies, those things that hold us back, those things that deceive us, and, it, and it's meant to bring light. But there's an element of trust there. So one of the first things we need to be careful about if we want to keep an eye out for the kingdom is who we trust and who we depend on. So the second thing is that we need to be careful what we eat from. So what we know of, of Adam and Eve is that that he said, God said this, he said, or the scripture says this, sorry, in, in Genesis, it says, the Lord made all kinds of tree to grow out of the ground, trees that were pleasing to the eye and good for food. In the middle of the garden, there were two trees, the tree of life and the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And God said, you are free to eat from any tree in the garden, but from these you must not eat. You must not eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, for when you do eat of it, you will certainly die. You know, and he, and he, and you have a think about it. Very restrictive God. You know, he's a terrible tyrant, really, when you consider it. He gave them the whole earth and he gave them everything in it. And he, and he set them in a beautiful garden that says that it was, um, you know, filled with all types of fruit and food that were good for the eye and good to see. But he said, hey, look, but there's just that one tree. I don't want you to eat of that. And so what they do? They ate of it. All right, so the question, the, the thing that we present here is that we need to be careful what we're eating from. Because we often say that if Adam and Eve didn't do what they did, we'd be in a much better position. But the thing is, is that the question every single day we need to ask ourselves is what are we eating from? They had the ability to eat from the tree of life that would have given them eternal life. It would seem that they didn't have eternal life prior to this because they were blocked from the eating of the tree of life after they sinned. But they had the opportunity to eat the tree of life. But they didn't. They ate of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Not evil. Just the knowledge of good and evil. Their eyes were open. They were open to a realm that they weren't open to prior than this. Before this, they were perfectly innocent, like little children. They knew no wrong, no evil. They didn't even know that it existed. And then what happened once they eat of the knowledge of good and evil is exactly like Satan said, they became like God, knowing good and evil. And now they had to decipher for themselves what is good and what is evil. And instead of having to follow one, just one rule, hey, just don't eat of that. You don't want to go there. It doesn't help you to know what I know, God says. It's not going to benefit you to be wise and have the wisdom that Satan's talking about here. Just trust me. Live with me. Depend on me and you'll be okay. Well, they didn't. They did what they did. And now instead of one rule, they had to decipher for themselves millions. And we know that it was only just half a generation later when Adam and Eve had kids that they were grappling with murder. And they were grappling with jealousy and pride and all of these things. And God said, hey, look. He said to Cain, he said, sin is crouching at your door and it wants to devour you, but you must master it, you know. And he was saying to, he was saying to them, now that you guys are in this position, you must master this thing, this knowledge of good and evil. You need to know how to use it. 
And so we've seen over the millennia, people do well and very poorly at that. And I'd say we, we do well and very poorly at that. But the question is, we need to be careful what we're eating from. The knowledge of good and evil. You'll find in Jesus' day that there was nobody more righteous than the, than the Pharisees and the Sadducees, the religious people of God's day. They were very good. They did good things. But Jesus says they were of the synagogue of Satan. How is that possible? Because they didn't eat from the tree of life. They didn't eat from Jesus. They didn't eat the bread of life. They didn't drink the water of life. They didn't trust on God's goodness, on God's righteousness. They stumbled over, the Bible says, they stumbled over the stumbling block, which is that they fight, tried to find their own righteousness. They tried to be good on their own. And we will stumble over that. You know, there's sin and there's evil, absolutely, but there's also good. Self-righteousness. I'm okay. I'll do this, this and this, and surely that will be in good God's good books. Surely that will get me to heaven. Most of the world falls into that, that trap as well as the sin trap. What are you eating from? Are you eating from the grace of God that you don't deserve and you never will deserve? Is that what is getting you to heaven? Is that is what is getting you in God's good stead? Or are you relying on your own righteousness, your own goodness? And we don't think that we do it, but there's some little things that we'll bring out here and it might expose, again, like that word says, that it exposes those things that actually hold us back. Do you know what guilt can be? The unwillingness to forgive yourself for the things that God has already forgiven you for. That's self-righteousness. It seems like it's a righteous thing to do. You do the wrong thing, you punish yourself for a week or so, feeling terrible. You know, that sounds like a fair trade. Well, God would say, no, no, that's a terrible trade. That's the knowledge of good and evil. If I tell you that I've forgiven you, you need to believe me and take me at my word. If you don't believe me there, you won't believe me here. You know, there's plenty of things in our life that we just should surrender over to God. The question is, um, what are we eating from? Adam and Eve, they ate of the knowledge of good and evil rather than just eating from the tree of life. Now, that's a terrible thing for them to have done. They put us in a terrible spot. But the thing is, we would have done exactly the same. And we do the same every morning and every day that we don't rely on the tree of life. So Adam and Eve could have eaten from any tree, but they ate of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. So now instead of one choice, they had to make many. Now instead of innocence, they became well aware of guilt and shame. And we're faced with this same choice every day. The next point would be that we need to be careful what we see and what we hear. God said to the man, do not eat of that tree of the knowledge of good and evil because when you do, you will surely die. And the thing is, they actually didn't die. They didn't die physically. They died spiritually, which might seem like um, no small thing. It might seem like a big thing, might seem like a small thing. But the thing is, they, when, when God says that somebody's going to die, he'd probably expect them to drop dead, that you're dead. But that's actually not what happened. They died spiritually. They died to life. And they were, they were brought into a different reality. And why this is important for the kingdom is this is where it actually all begun. This is where the dilemma starts. God's plan hasn't changed. God set up a kingdom through Adam and Eve. He had a desire for mankind to rule and reign on the earth. And he hasn't changed his plan. 
It says in the Bible that before the creation of the world that Jesus was slain. God always knew this was going to happen. But we don't know what's going on. We're the ones that need to get up to speed with what's going on here. And Adam and Eve, I find, is a beautiful picture of exactly what's going on and exactly the pitfalls that we fall into. And I forget the question. What was the question I asked? Be careful what we see and what we hear. Have a listen to this scripture. Consider it carefully what you hear, Jesus continued. For with the measure you use, it will be measured to you and even more. Because whoever has more, more will be given. But whoever does not have, even what they do have will be taken from them. So if you see somebody's life, and here we're talking about the kingdom, and we're going to work into exactly what we're talking about here. Whose responsibility is it, according to that scripture, to bear fruit in the kingdom and for it to grow inside of them? Whose responsibility does it seem like it lays upon? If God says, you be careful what you hear, because what you hear and what you have, and if you have more, more will be added to you based on what you hear, based on what you treasure. But the little that you have, the little that you treasure, the little that you hear, the little that you hang on to, even that will be taken from you. Don't we know this to be true in Jesus' parable where he talks about the parable of the sower? It says that, Jesus, that God is the, is the farmer and he goes out and he sows the seed. And the Bible says of itself or it says of seed that um, it's imperishable, it's perfect. And yet it only bears fruit in one type of soil. Whose responsibility is that soil? Is it God's perfect seed that's the problem? Or is it our hearts that's the problem? Is it what we hear and what we see? Is it what we're willing to hear? Is it what we're willing to see? Because remember, the number one obstacle against us now through the fall is the knowledge of good and evil. It's doing what's right in our own eyes. It's what you hear and it's what you see that bears fruit or doesn't bear fruit. What we often want to do is we want to put the responsibility on God. God says, I'm no respecter of man. I don't appreciate or respect you over Daz. I don't appreciate or respect anybody over anybody. This is fair game. I put the seed out and whoever wants it most sows it. And if you sow it, it will bear much fruit. And if you don't, it won't. And he says here, be careful what you hear. Because what you hear and what you keep, what you store, more will be given. But if you don't, you won't. And it's just an amazing way that God set the kingdom up. Be careful what you hear. Be careful what you see. The Bible says that, and it's an amazing part in this scripture, it says that when they died, Adam and Eve died, they died spiritually. It's an amazing little bit and it says, and you're nearly missing, it says their eyes were actually opened. Not closed. Their eyes were opened. They were open to a brand new reality. They were living completely innocent, completely pure, completely dependent on God and then their eyes were opened and it was open to a sinful reality, a reality they didn't weren't aware of prior to that, a reality of evil and sickness and death. 
and they had to then decipher for themselves. What do I believe? What do I hear? What do I, you know, and they had, and they lost that connection to God. They lost their spirit. They lost life. And prior to that, mankind was shielded by God from the realities of sin, which allowed freedom and life. But now mankind was shielded by Satan from the realities of true freedom. And this is where we find ourselves now. Have you ever wondered why? I'm skipping ahead of myself here, but I can't help myself. Have you ever wondered why when Jesus says, I'm the only way, truth and the life? Well, that gets people off guard, doesn't it? Isn't that a terrible thing for Jesus to say? Fair income, honestly. It's very restrictive and it's very exclusive. And there's billions of people on the earth and heaps of religions. Surely we can't be the only ones who have got this right. Surely our doctrine and our religion can't be all that there is. You know? Surely beyond religion, just being a good person would get you to heaven. Surely. I mean, it just makes perfect sense. But Jesus didn't come to make good men bad, bad men good. He came to bring dead men to life. You see, the reason that Jesus says that I'm the only way, the truth and the life is because he's the only one with life in him. Religion doesn't get there, even if it's Christian religion. Even if it's Christian religion, it doesn't matter. It won't give you life because being good never got you there in the first place. And being, ga- got, sorry, and being bad doesn't, doesn't lose your salvation, by the way. We lost our salvation through the fall. We were born dead, the Bible says. The Bible says we were born dead. And Jesus says, I'm the way, the truth, and life. And he talks about life. I've come to give you life and give it to you the full. And he talks about life so much. The life he's talking about is the life we lost in the garden. That spiritual death, that disconnect from God, that that lifting of the veil so that Satan can't then get in the middle and, and shield us from life. Now, what the enemy wants to do is he wants to make it about rules and regulations. He wants to make it about your efforts. He wants to make it about everything to do with you, the knowledge of good and evil. Surely if I'm good enough, surely if I'm not bad enough. But it was never about that. God said, don't eat from that tree. It was always grace. It was always God. It was always free. It was always life. It was always relationship. God never wanted it to be about rules and regulations. And you'll see, and I'm digressing, but you'll see throughout Scripture, you see God being very light on in the rule department. It's all about relationship. Depend on me, depend on me, trust me, love me. Um, just don't need that because that's, you don't want to go there. But then because we then became aware of sin and evil, then he had to put a structure in place to protect us from ourselves. But then what you see when Jesus comes along and further and further and further, the rules drop off and off until Jesus is saying, hey, there's back, we're back to one rule again or two rules. Love God and love each other. You know? Because he doesn't want us living by the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. He wants us living by the tree of life. He wants us to have life and life to the full. And this is why you can't carry guilt. This is why you can't carry shame. This is why you can't do it on your own. You're meant to live by life and that life is being attacked every single day in your mind. This is why the Bible says that you must take your thoughts captive 
and bring it into the obedience of Christ. You know, talks about being transformed by the renewing of your mind because then you'll be able to test and approve what God's good will is. His good, perfect and pleasing will. Well, his good, perfect and pleasing will is that you would have life and have it to the full on this earth, not in heaven. Yes, in heaven, but not only in heaven. You know what I mean? But you can't get there both ways. You've got to decide. Is it going to be you and your efforts, the knowledge of good and evil, or is it going to be by His Spirit and by His grace? And the thing is, is that the way you live is the way you're going to teach others to live. The way this church operates will be the way that we teach others to operate. Are we relying and operating on grace or relying and operating on the knowledge of good and evil? Shame and guilt. Do we guilt our children into doing what's right or do we just guide them and direct them? You know? There's so much to what God wants to bring open in our lives through the kingdom of God and understanding His ways. But His ways are not our ways. His ways are better than our ways. So who's going to be right? Good, evil, all of that stuff. I'm not going to put them on. If I keep them off, I won't need them. All right. So be careful what you hear. The next point. Be careful who you follow. The last Adam. I love, love, love the scripture, how it interprets itself. How's this? Listen to this scripture. All right, it says this. So it is written, the first man, Adam, became a life, became a living being. The last Adam became a life-giving spirit. Who's the last Adam? Jesus is the last Adam. Do you know what that's saying to us? That's the last time we have to put up with all the rubbish that we've had to put up with. That's the last time we need to live in a fog. That's the last time that we need to live guilt and that we need to live shame. That's the last time we need to live under the bridge of where God wants us. That's the last time we need to feel disconnected from God. That's the last time we need to feel like we're condemned. That's the last time we need to live in poverty. That's the last time that we need to live like paupers. Now, I'm not talking about financial stuff here as much as that can be true. I'm talking about your spirit and your life. Jesus said, I came to give you life and give it to you to the full. When do we start to experience that? When does that happen? Got nine minutes. It starts at salvation. Exactly right. And that's just the start. Then we grow and we transform and renew our mind. And we're going to get to this point. How do you bear fruit in the kingdom of God? And so this is, this is the point, is that prior to the last Adam, we couldn't bear fruit. We could just follow rules. That's all there was open to us. But now we can bear fruit for the kingdom. Now it's about something different. Now it's about actually us being the body of Christ, outworking the plan of God, which is what God always had intended with Adam and Eve. God wants us to rule and reign on this earth and bear fruit for his kingdom for his purposes. The last Adam set up a kingdom for us to outwork God's will. The kingdom comes when the king gets what he wants. Jesus said this. He said to the Pharisees who are accusing him of um, healing people, because remember, he's a tyrant, and he was doing terrible things such as healing people and setting people free from demons and things like that, and they were into him for it. And he said, okay, well, fair enough. He said, 
If I'm casting out demons by the devil, which is what they're accusing him of, who are you doing it by? But if I do it by, by God, the kingdom of God has come to you. The kingdom of God has come to you. See, the last Adam set up the kingdom of God to come to us, for us to work not out of our own power but his. You see, you don't need to be worried about... Of course you need to be concerned about your behaviour because that would just be stupid to live like the devil. But you don't need to be governed by behaviour as though it gives you favour with God. Grace gives you favour with God. His love gives you favour with God. Salvation gave you favour with God. God wants us to get on with kingdom work, not be worried about rules and regulations. So how do we bear fruit in the kingdom of God? You bear fruit in the kingdom of God when you birth what the kingdom wants and what the king wants. So let's have a listen to this scripture. It says, remember in the question is, um, be careful what we sow. I actually didn't tell you that question, but that is the question. Be careful what you sow. So look at this. So in John, 1 John 4, it says, we love because, we, because God first loved us. Whoever claims to love God and yet hates his brother or sister is a liar. For whoever does not love his brother or sister and whom they have seen cannot love God whom they have not seen. And he has given us this command. Anyone who loves God must also love their brother and sister. Okay, so we read that scripture. Now we know from what we talked about before that scripture is a seed. So we read the scripture and we go, yep, I agree with that. Then that seed is put under pressure. Isn't it? Just like every seed, like we know that, the seed goes into the ground and Jesus says, unless the seed goes in the ground and actually dies, it will never bear fruit. So often when we read the Bible and we say to ourselves, I get nothing out of this, this is hopeless, you know, and we all think like that at times, we are getting something out of it, but it just takes a while. The seed's got to go somewhere and it's got to die. And often it dies when the ability to carry out the scripture is hard because loving people is not always easy. But when you overcome all of that and love anyway, you have borne fruit. That's what it means to bear fruit in the kingdom of God, when God's seed comes alive in you. Because it's an option, isn't it? Just like the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, do not eat of it, don't eat of it, eat of the tree of life, eat of the tree of knowledge of good and evil. That was a choice. Well, now we're back to making choices again. Am I going to love? Am I not going to love? I'm going to love because God told me to love and that's what he would do. And sometimes you do it for a gritted teeth. But when his will gets done through you, that's him bearing fruit. Another really good example, which, um, which is a really good example, and nobody should shy away from it, is tithing. Giving to the church, giving to the kingdom of God. Now, we, we've heard it said that um, tithing is sowing into your life so that, you know, so that once you sow that money, you know, you get it back. And as much as that principle could be true and it's, and it's based in Scripture, actually what tithing is is you bearing fruit because God told you to be generous and he told you to tithe. But what about when the pressure's on? Now, we're not saying God doesn't say that you've got to give everything away. He just says that even when the pressure's on, we go back to the garden and we be like children and we trust God. And we give anyway, and we tithe anyway, and we give ourselves, because why? Because we give ourselves to the kingdom, we give ourselves to kingdom work, and we trust that God is good, 
And he said he's a rewarder of those who earnestly seek him. And he'll give, or he said he'll give generously on all occasions in every way so that in every time you will abound in every good work. And that he'll give seed to the sower and, and bread to the, to the eater of bread. <laughs> what are that scriptures? I forget. But this is the thing. The kingdom of God needs you bearing fruit to move forward. That's how the kingdom of God operates. Jesus set up a kingdom on earth and you are a part of it. You are the body of Christ. We listen to these words that we read in Scripture and we hear on the pulpit and we don't sometimes connect. You are the body of Christ. He doesn't have any other mechanism to outwork his kingdom plan other than you. And the way he bears fruit is not by you following rules. It's by you trusting him. It's by you, um, it's by you cherishing his, his word. Listen to this, just to prove that I'm not making it up. There's a scripture and it says that there's a man and he goes out and he finds himself a treasure in the field. It says the kingdom of God is like this. The man goes out and he finds a treasure in the field. And he notices it as a treasure and he sees that it's precious and he sees that it's valuable. So he, not God, goes out and sells everything he's got. Why? To buy the field. I'm betting the farm on this field because it's got this treasure in it. And then he says the kingdom of God is like this. The kingdom of God is like a man who's, um, who goes and finds a pearl of great prize. And when he finds the pearl of great prize, that of massive value, that of great worth, he goes and sells everything he's got and pours it all into the pearl. The kingdom of God is like this. When you're all in in the kingdom, when you see it as precious, when you see his word as a treasure, it will bear fruit in your life. And God says he'll do more and abundant above and beyond what you have ever hoped, dreamed or imagined. That's bearing fruit for the kingdom. But it says this after that. It says, according to his power that is at work within you. Hey? Don't you have to worry for one second about not being ready for the kingdom or not being good enough for the kingdom or coming from the wrong side of the tracks or not being good at reading the Bible or not being good at speaking or not being good at being a Christian or not being good at this, not being good at that. When you get there, all you are doing is eating of the knowledge of the tree of the good and evil. That's all you're doing. That's all you're doing. And you'll never bear fruit. No matter how much you love God, no matter how much he loves you, you will just be stuck there. If you want to bear fruit from the kingdom, you start eating from the tree of life. He has called you. And he said in his word that if he called you, he will empower you. He said to his disciples, hey, hey, you didn't call me. You didn't ask for me. I called you. And the work I've, I started, I'll finish it as well. So let's pray. Father God, I thank you. Thank you for your word. Thank you for your kingdom principles. Thank you, Lord God, that no matter what's going on in our world, Lord God, that you have made a promise on our life. And Lord God, when we hang on to that promise long enough, you say that you will bear fruit through it. And so, Father, we thank you for these beautiful people. I pray that they'll bear fruit, not because they're good, not because they're perfect, but because they believe in the perfect one. In Jesus' name, amen. Hey again, thanks so much for joining us on this podcast. 
Whether you are new and exploring your faith or a follower of Jesus, there's a next step for you. There is always room to grow, more to be done, destiny to be pursued, and people to be reached. So what's your next step? To find out, head over to thechapelcollective.com.au. And thanks again for listening.